Welcome to My Cockpit's podcast feature interview. My Cockpit's feature interview include people who have special interest related to flight simulation and cockpit building. And don't forget, this podcast would not be possible if it was not for all of you. That's why My Cockpit is the largest home cockpit builders community in the world. You can access us at www.mycockpit.org. This month, we bring you another excellent podcast interview conducted by My Cockpit's very own Vibeau. We're privileged to have this program's guest, the world-renowned Peter Cox. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the special podcast. The home cockpit building community is one that has grown immensely, and there are, of course, many vendors catering to this community. Our guest today, of course, is no ordinary vendor. He and his company are renowned and well-respected across the community and well-known and appreciated for some outstanding quality and products. His company over the years has not only grown to cater the home cockpit building community, but also the pro customers and off-late the likes of Boeing. Well, friends, today I have with me none other than the president of Flight Tech Solutions, Peter Koss. Hello, Peter. Welcome to our podcast. Hi there. How are you? I'm fine, Peter. Thank you. Peter, so you're enjoying spring in Canada now? Yeah, we came early this year, so we're uh, we're actually really, really happy about that. It's uh, it's a rare treat. Normally, we, we have a few big snowstorms before the, the spring really hits, but it was quite mild this year, so it was uh, it was very enjoyable. Okay, so enjoying time with family. Busy, busy, busy. A little bit of traveling lately, so it's been a little bit hectic, but I just came back from uh, being on the West Coast in San Francisco. I was actually visiting with NASA, talking to them about some projects that they're doing, and before that, uh, I was in uh, in Bahrain at the F1 race and working on a project over there, so it's been very busy, you know, but you guys, I think you guys at my cockpit understand busy, because you guys are really busy as well, a lot of a lot of people talking and communicating, and it's all going at a pretty pretty frantic pace, you know, so. Well, Peter, thanks uh, so much for joining us, and um, the purpose of this podcast, of course, is to get to know you better, get to know Flight Deck Solutions, and, and, you know, what you have to offer to this community, and I'm sure a lot of members already know about you, and uh, I'm sure it's going to be a podcast that I'm looking forward to. Well, Peter, Flight Deck Solutions, of course, has been around for some time now, and, and has, has earned a great reputation of being one of the best suppliers in this community. Can you give us some insight into how all this began? Absolutely. It really, it started off no differently than probably, you know, every single person that, that, uh, shows up at mycockpit.org. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, an, an enthusiast, uh, someone who's probably been around aviation all their lives and, uh, maybe they've done some flying in the real aircraft or maybe they, uh, took a, a path that didn't allow them to, to go that way. Uh, for myself, very much the same way. I had a career in consumer electronics for 15 years and, uh, I was always a, a real aviation fan, and alongside my brother Steve, the two of us decided one day to uh, to, to push forward after seeing some, you know, a few little tidbits of things on the internet, like Kevin Saker's, uh, you know, work that's on FlightSim.com and all the original, very early, uh, you know, building your own flight deck type type items. So we we started to uh, take a very serious look at that, and uh, you know, I had a basement with. In Canada, we're lucky we have a lot of basements that are usually quite empty, so there's there's lots of room for them with, uh, for a flight deck. And I started looking at all the different kinds, you know, the different types of airplanes, and I picked the A320 because uh, it looked like I could actually do it. It, it seemed uh, possible to, to complete it, so I didn't pick that because of, of the aircraft. 
and being a you know an Airbus fan or something. It was just something that was attainable to me. But Steve and I started to build the, build these things, and uh, we uh, you know found that there really wasn't any parts that were complete, or there was no there was no real plan out there for how to take it from the start all the way to the finish. So I started doing a lot of the design work and thinking about how how to make panels and coming up with all kinds of switch kits and things that were needed. And we enjoyed um, having a web page up for a while, uh, which was hosted by uh, the folks at AV Sim. And it got pretty popular. It, uh, it, it really took off. I was watching the amount of hits back then and visitors, and it was uh, quite something to see how many people were interested in what we were doing. And it didn't take long before people started emailing, asking us if we could make some parts and pieces for them. And that's that's really where it started, you know. It started in my basement in my house, and even you know, it, there's a very solid connection to mycockpit.org. Actually, if you if you talk to Matt Alleman, he'll tell you that you know that uh, when he got deep into this this whole thing, uh, he actually bought my original project and took it back to the states, and he's got many of the pieces uh, that I I picked up along the way from either building myself or. Actually, you know, finding aerospace companies and and bugging them until they you know, relented and sold me rudder pedals and shells and, and all kinds of crazy things. So, so it's been uh, it's been pretty interesting, you know. And I it really did start from there. And I'm being long winded, but it is a long kind of story. At, at one point, I actually decided that I was you know really really kind of quite serious about going full time into this type of thing. And I didn't feel I really knew enough, you know, to do that on the design side and all the whole thought process. But actually found a job working in aerospace. They actually phoned me, having met me through uh, through these guys and acquiring parts and things. And I worked at Atlantis Systems uh, for two years. And uh, it was a real education for me. I, I, I learned a lot about the real aerospace industry and how that is how that works. And it's very different from what we're doing, obviously, here. But, um, you know, my sense of uh, understanding of parts was very different than I, I remember walking in and seeing a you know, like a CDU that was built by these folks and asking the price and being told it was $4,000 and, you know, losing my mind thinking, how could it cost $4,000? It was a lot of, you know, something that I think all the guys, you know, have to understand. And I guess for me, I had the opportunity to work at that pro level and, um, you know, I could understand it, you know, the idea that there's rent and there's overhead and there's human resources departments and all these things that, you know, add cost to any business. And, uh, you know, part of uh, what we've had to deal with here is learn how to how to contain that and keep that under control so that we don't end up, you know, with four thousand dollars CDUs. We want to, you know, keep our foot in in uh, the, the same channels that we've been working in for years with our enthusiast customers as well as pushing deeper into the pro. Right? Long-winded of an answers I can give you. As far as <laughs> it's really interesting that you started off like most of us have, and and I guess you've taken it a step further. And, and how late are we talking about? When, when did this all begin? Uh, ten years back, fifteen years back? Yeah, about ten, about, about ten years ago. Uh, it's ten years ago now that uh, we started, you know, kind of dabbling in the basement with this whole thing and pushing it forward. So about about ten years, really. And uh, absolutely, very much. You know, I mean, when I started, there was probably, you know, I don't I don't know the real number, but I would say probably maybe ten, you know, really serious projects. Up there, a lot of little guys, not little guys, a lot of guys doing smaller projects. But there was guys, you know, like Kevin Saker was deep into it, Michael Lakamp, uh, uh, you know, Matt Ford, James Price, some real heavy players with real parts, and that was something that really motivated people. Then you, you know, you had people like Robert Prather coming along, and folks that, um, you know, that wanted to do this and knew that they weren't going to be able to find the real parts, and you know, started to do what they could to push things along and and to make things happen. And, 
I think where we may have gone a little different than a lot of folks is we we didn't stop with you know one airplane. We really knew that there was a lot of lot of people wanting to build a lot of different things. So we tried to cover a pretty wide range, and that that can be tough. It, it can take a long time to develop one airplane. So trying to do four or five is pretty tricky. Uh, but you know it, it it happened. But the project was about ten years ten years ago to start. We we were at it for probably a couple of years, pretty solid. And then around the time that I went into aerospace, I I really had to d- decide whether I was going to do um, you know, you know, flight deck full time, and uh, and push forward on that, or was I going to, you know, keep it just purely as a hobby? And uh, and that was around the time that Matt actually, you know, was probably talking to me about parts or something. And I'm sure I'm, I don't remember the details. Maybe Matt remembers, but I'm sure we probably joked around, and I maybe made a comment about buying my project or something. And then he literally did. And I remember him driving in with his trailer and uh, on you know on the back of his car, and his son was there, and they they picked up my parts, and I was kind of. Uh, Kind of emotional about seeing all these pieces drive away, but you know, I also realized I had you know an opportunity to take the the whole uh, you know flight deck solutions end of it and start to really do something with that. So that was kind of neat. Interesting. Of course, we all know you are important and person in flight deck solutions. Steve is another important person. Can you throw some light on that? Flight deck solutions started off uh, at myself and literally uh, in a small room. Uh, working on my own, doing everything, and very slowly and over a period of time, I added one person, very nervous to add that first person, uh, then another person, all the way through now where we have, uh, there's actually 12 people that work uh, work at Flight Deck every day full-time, and then we have guys out in the field that are helping as well too, which I, I want to I honor those guys as well. Uh, internally, I have, uh, you know, probably one of the, the most key p- person or uh, people that works Flight deck that you don't see and hear a lot about is is uh, my mechanical designer and, and engineer Sean, and Sean is uh, to me is sort of you know my my right hand man in terms of you know taking ideas and and my vision in terms of product and what I want to do and how we're going to do it, and he he really is the guy that delivers on the things that I promise. So we kind of laugh about that that he he really does allow me to make big promises because he's a pretty pretty clever guy. He's very, very talented. He, he does not think uh, all the time in an aerospace way, so he comes up with very, very, you know, really eloquent solutions to, to deal with challenges that we have in the product. So Sean's been with me now for about, uh, I'd have to check with him, I think four years, approximately four years. And he's he brought Flight Deck Solutions sort of out of the, being a panel maker, you know, to, you know, the metal and the mechanical elements. So when you see these big trainers, um, you you know, there's a huge amount of his his design work that's gone into that, and a lot of hours to to sort a lot of these things out. So he's a key guy. Steve, as you know, my brother, he's uh, he he right now is he's shifting his focus a little bit. He's working a lot on on the after sales end of things. So we've gotten to the point where we do have customers calling back that need extra help or they're installing something and they're not sure about things because there's not a lot of you know very comprehensive manuals in all of this. It's very difficult to do that and create them. So we we tend to get person to person with our customers and he's he's deep on that he's also involved when we go out to do uh, a large installation on any project he's the guy that heads that up so when a when a big trainer goes out he's going to be flying over to put that together with the customer or even with other people involved then i have uh folks that are connected into flight deck like uh brent at TechWorks. he's a very good friend of mine that i've known for for probably 15 actually 20 years now uh, coming out of my car audio days um, in consumer electronics, and he he created the system boards and all the software. 
So he's a he's a real plus for us. He's, anything that's electronic uh, has really has Brent's uh, thumbprint on it, and he's been a fantastic uh, supporter for us. And it's been a, I think a good a good project for him as well too to be working with us. He's a very clever guy. Probably the best thing about him was understanding with the interface part of things that most people that we would be dealing with would not really know a lot about programming. So I used to always kind of joke with them and saying, hey, when you design stuff like this, you know, keep in mind that you don't want me calling you at 11 o'clock asking questions and pulling my hair out. <laughs> so he's, he's, he's kind of understood that, and it's, which is a good way to, to do it because really most of us are not coding people or programming people. We're aviation people or you know, we know a lot about flight sim, but, you know, to understand coding is a different type of person. So uh, he really, really, I think, did the, the whole, you know, enthusiast group a real, a pretty big favor, I think, by jumping in and, and creating, you know, highly intuitive software that could take a lot of the, you know, the programming elements away from it and make it so that you literally flipped the toggle and, and found a file and, and saved it. And I think his, his probably most intelligent move was to create... Uh, an XML file system that, that the community itself could sustain. And guys like Ivor Hesness or Nat Cree or John Bowe, people that really understand the software, could go in and help write some of these types of XMLs and then share them with everybody in the community. And that's ongoing all the time. Th- those are all downloadable from within the software. So I think very, very cool. I have, um, you know, the, the other people that are here, I have people like Hassan, who's uh, been with me now for a few years, and he's one of our head assembly guys. When you see big platforms and yokes and, and major elements being put together, that's usually Hassan that's involved in that. And he's been just been awesome to have as a as a, an employee here, and he's worked so closely with Sean and, and helped to push us forward. He, he's the guy you hand everything to, and, and you, come, you go back a couple of days later, and it's all done, and it's done, it's done correctly. And that's the kind of a guy we have. So we have him, we have Farad, we have uh, Igor, we have Sam. My daughter... Taylor actually works at the company as well too, and she's uh, she learns a lot as she's going along, and I think she'd give the guys a good run for the money, you know, in terms of putting together dual seaters and helping with you know wiring and things. She's actually quite good at it, and uh, most people would you know would walk in assuming she's just answering the phones or something, but she gets into it pretty deep, which is a lot of fun. So she's great, and then I have even uh, my wife as well, who's uh, joined the company about approximately I guess about two years now. And she's heading up all the administrative and taking care of all the accounting people and all of the things that, that uh, can really bog someone down. And I think the, the big thing for, for, for myself on all of this is that by wrapping myself or surrounding myself with really capable people that are, that are talented in, in their specific areas, it keeps opening the door for me to spend more and more time on the things that I want to do, which is being able to communicate with customers, sit down and, and think about different products and be able to spend quality time with Sean and Steve and map things out. Um, and that's where I'm starting to see things snowball and really, really work very well around here is that there's enough people now in manpower to really get behind things and push them forward and to do them at the right level, you know, and, and to do them with the right kind of thinking. Well, Peter, looks like uh, you have a great team, and, and I'm absolutely right. Um, a great team is essential uh, uh, if you're going to bring out the kind of quality products that you have. And, and now we get the story as why you are able to churn out such quality products, and that's because you have a fantastic team that's backing you. Well, Peter, uh, FTS, of course, is uh, not only supplying to small home cockpit builders, but 
of late you have been having, or rather you've been supplying to the likes of Boeing, which is fabulous for uh, you know someone who started like most of us building a small cockpit in your basement. That's in fact very great and something that the community is really proud about. Can you talk us through about uh, the success story? Absolutely. Uh, you know, it, it really is a, a real honor to work with uh, with uh, with our friends at Boeing, and I, I can tell you the one big thing I, I notice with all of the the people that we interact with at Boeing is they're probably the most humble group of people that that we've ever interacted with, and uh, it's quite amazing when when you're one of the world leaders in a in a field, and then you have at the same time that prestigious position, but you have the ability to be as humble as as these folks are, and I just I can't say enough about that. Um, they have been so helpful to to us, and they are very aware of of what everybody uh, that you you surround yourself, what everybody in this this the hobby side and enthusiast side are doing. They're fully in tune with it. They really find it amazing. You know, they do actually go on our forums. They're probably on your forums too, looking around because they are aviation enthusiasts and they enjoy seeing what a lot of you guys are doing. You know, with parts and pieces purchased from us or from other people, or or even more so, just on your own. So, they're a, they're a very big support part, I think, of this hobby in a in a quiet kind of way that maybe people don't realize. The um the first time we we got involved with them, they they approached us to work with them on uh, a large marketing initiative, which was for the P8A. And the P8A is a 737 based aircraft that's that has a sort of a military role, where it's used as a um, Sort of an AWACS or a, you know a reconnaissance airplane where it's you know able to use radar systems and and things to you know watch for you know ships entering wrong areas or aircraft flying in places they shouldn't be or doing things that they shouldn't do. So this P8A program was designed um, you know to to basically replace the P3A Orion, uh, which actually there's a builder that that was a flight engineer in one of those and. Give a quick shout out to him for a second. Hello, Scott. And, uh, this is, um, you know, this airplane, what they wanted to do was take a nose, um, and put it into the trailer and then have the whole back end of the airplane involved so that they could see the stations where the guys in the, from the crew would be working in the back of the plane. So they, they, they came to us asking if we could help supply all of that. So I literally had to go out shopping for a real 737 nose. And, I, and I'm proud to say I, I have uh, the distinction of being one of the few people maybe that, that was able to sell Boeing back one of their airplanes. And, and I did that quite a few years ago now, four or five years ago. And uh, we converted an old, an old 300 series uh, United uh, Shuttle 737 over to this P8A variant. And it's still out there in a trailer being used all the time uh, to promote. And since that point, we, we've started to you know, see other people from Boeing who caught wind of this and saw our logo and, and went to the web page and realized that, that the, the type of pricing that we have means that they can use, you know, very, very decent quality parts and not have to pay aerospace prices, but almost like marketing budget prices that for their, their business. And they could really elevate what they're trying to do from the research and development standpoint, uh, marketing standpoint, the development standpoint. And one of the first projects that we got hit with after the, the P8A was actually the Dreamliner. We had Boeing come to us and uh, and discuss a little bit about some of the areas where they needed to have more more devices in place to allow their people to do more development work a lot quicker. They didn't necessarily need the entire you know uh, cockpit, so they wanted us to supply something along the lines of what we call a dual seater and you know rudder pedals and things to go with. So a lot, a lot of times. People are seeing on the 787 uh, items that we talk about on our page. You can see 
actual setups that are were being used by the flight deck development group on, from a software standpoint uh, in developing the airplane. Then the marketing people got involved and they saw what we were doing there and they took a lot of our parts and pieces and integrated them into uh, the 787 Dreamliner demo units that there's actually four of them worldwide floating around at all the major events. And I had the really good fortune of being at the Dubai Air Show uh, last fall and I got to actually see uh, David Guerra from Boeing and, and to, to see one of the, the actual units being used and it was just a real thrill, you know, to see that. And since then we've been working on the 747-8. We've worked on the Australian Wedgetail project. Uh, and one of the new ones that we've been working with for the last few years is the, uh, is the KCX, the Next Gen Refueler. And if you check my blog, there's a link on the lower right-hand side of our front page. The, uh, the blog, uh, the, the latest one I popped up there was about BART. And BART is basically the Boeing, uh, program that talks about this, the air refueling tanker system. And, uh, it goes on about, I don't know, there's a video there that you can see where you actually see the flight deck inside another trailer that'll be all over the United States promoting this, uh, this new program. I think that's something that we at the community are proud of. And, 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 and in, in that sense, it's, it's really amazing that, you know, we have something to offer to professionals like Boeing itself. And, and, and that's quite outstanding what you and your company have achieved. You no, know, I think, I think the good thing about that, you know, and, and I keep saying this to a lot of our customers is that the folks at Boeing will, will continually you know, push us, and they don't push us as in we have to uh, do things, but what they require is is sometimes, you know, very specific or it has to be built to a certain level. And the beauty is that I think it's the, the entire group of, of the pros and the enthusiasts together that makes it work for Flight Tech Solutions because what happens is, you know, Boeing will come to us and they'll have a requirement for something that, that they want us to build for them. And if we were only to build one, it would probably not be possible to do it in an affordable way. But what happens with with uh, with that is when Boeing comes to us, we can look at that requirement and try and see how does that work with our enthusiast customers, and is there any way to leverage this requirement and you know create a product that could be sold to to the other demographic that we deal with, and that's what's been happening a lot. So you know things like for example, we have a new CDU coming out. And the unit that we're that we're going to be presenting to to our customers probably late April, early May, is all based around a, a, a really high fidelity CDU that we built for the the EPX program, which is similar to the P8A. And the kinds of things that we did here were are hugely elevated over what we did before. And the beauty is because of the volume that's involved, and because Boeing was supporting us on this program, we're going to be coming out with a piece that's priced the same as the old piece but has a whole lot of new features and elements that you probably would never, uh, you know, expect to see at that price range. And that's because we're able to go to our customers, who are, there's many of them, and, and the supporters, and, be, and know that with confidence that they'll be very eager to go to this product. So that there's a nice blend that's working right now with the professionals that, that, uh, that pushes the pricing, you know, into that volume range, which is where you start to see the ability to save and to be able to make to make the parts and keep the prices under control as much as possible. Absolutely. I, I kind of see the picture, and, and that's really an interesting site that I didn't know about. Well, Peter, FlyTech Solutions, of course, applies uh, a wide range of products from the Boeing 737, Airbus 320-777-767, and, and, of course, a wide range within those aircrafts. But was a little keen to understand what are some of the fastest-moving products uh, uh, within your product range. You know, for volume, it's uh, it's difficult because, you know, some of the parts are quite expensive, but... You know, we certainly go through a lot of the, the smaller accessory pieces, like, you know, for guys that are doing a lot of their stuff at home, you know, like uh, little AFDS kits and the glare wing modules and pieces. 
we sell a, a lot of that product. Um, we do, uh, you know, CDUs we've sold a lot. I mean, I, I, I think people would be shocked by the number over the years, but it's, it's hundreds and hundreds of these things through the various different versions that we've had. So we've done very well on, the, on that type of product. And now, it, you know, we seem to be shifting a little bit towards, you know, maybe doing a little bit more of, you know, sections of things. And, uh, you know, clearly people see us doing large trainers, but it's a it's such a wide range. You know, I guess because the product line is so wide, it doesn't take long for us to fill the production up pretty pretty steady if you follow. You know, it, it really doesn't take too long at all. I just, before I got on the phone with you, um, I just wrapped up a, an order with a company that's doing R&D and trying to promote new air traffic control systems, and that's that's basically this 737 dual-seater that's got uh, a custom throttle piece, some aircraft seats that we're going to locate for them, uh, a yoke that we'll use from 737yoke.com uh, from Ali, a bunch of different pieces, and it's a fairly substantial order that, you know, that it'll take a few weeks for us to build and put it together, test it, and send it out. And then after that, I was talking to a customer in uh, in Switzerland who just purchased a full overhead, full pedestal and full aft overhead from us because he wants to continue pushing forward on his trainer. And he's building a you know the full FDS trainer, but doing it section by section. And that's a, a much more common customer these days as well. Peter, I, uh, I just noticed on your website now the 737 liners are uh, available for sale. There's a new interface card. Any more recent products or um, any of these products that you would want to talk about? Yeah, I think the liners is a really good example of, of how, uh, you know, we can work with our customers to, to get a very difficult product out. And I think a lot of people realize pretty quickly that, uh, you know, there's a few ways you could build these things. And most of the ways that they've been done in the past have been very, you know, sort of by hand. And, uh, you know, you build one set at a time. It takes a long time, a lot of sanding and shaping and, you know, this kind of thing. And the, the interior liners that we, we came up with for our shell, I think was a really good example where I was able to, to you know, grab uh, our customer base and approach them with an idea. And I went, I went to everybody that purchased a shell from us, uh, and I spoke to them about, you know, what would they think if we could, we could put together uh, a program where we could get the, you know, everybody on board that wanted to go forward to have these liners developed. And uh, we would go ahead and put the tooling, you know, the tooling together, knowing because it was, it was extremely expensive to do the tooling. Like, I don't think people understand sometimes how much some of this can run. But we paid a fortune for the tooling, got it done, uh, you know, managed to get the liners all put together a little longer than normal. But we, it was a bit of a learning curve on a couple of things for Sean and myself. And uh, we ended up selling the whole first production run without even having anything on the web page, and there was a lot of units that went out the door. It was quite incredible. But the builders, the enthusiast customers, were so helpful, you know, by agreeing to jump in and uh, and committing to buying the product when it was ready, and they did this sight unseen. And that was, to me, a very a very nice uh, touch, you know, from them. It was a blind faith thing. But uh, I think we've proven that we, we don't let people down if, if there's any possible way to keep them, you know, in check with what it is that we're offering. And that's the most important part is, is making sure the expectations are real. And um, that support allowed us to push forward on the liners. And now I have I have these basically as a stock item that I have, you know, 10, 10 sets or something or eight sets in the back that can, that can go out at any time. And the shells are fairly quick to turn around. And it's a very clever way to, to, to create that, that immersion 
that I think everybody's chasing. You know, some people say, "Oh, I, I want a round, a round nose," you know, and that's great if if you can find one. But you know, you you don't really need to be aerodynamically correct when you're flying around. Oh no, we don't fly these in the basements, do we? Right? We 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 sit in them. So we sort of joke with customers a bit that that uh, you know talk about wanting everything round. It certainly would be nice, but. The shells that we built, I think, are very clever in that they can go in and out any door. They can be built in the smallest of possible areas. And um, once you're inside with the liners and everything inside, you can't tell what's on the outside, if it's round or flat or square or anything. But you've created that real look and feel of an airplane. And I think when you get to that point on a project, it really starts to come up, you know, into its own. It's uh, that, that full immersion effect is there. I am also one of the, uh, your customers as far as the liners are concerned. And, uh, liners are one of those things that immediately adds not not much in terms of utility, but uh, so much in terms of getting you involved into that flight simulator. The, the aesthetic feel that it gives is pretty awesome. And the good part of that product, uh, I mean, the product that you've, you've, you've made is uh, the ease at which you can put it up. Uh, doesn't take uh, many hours. It just it's a matter of a couple of hours, and then you're up and ready. You know, in that sense, I think it's uh, it's a very well thought out product. Any, anything more that's going to come out of your production line, uh, Peter? But yeah, the new CDUs will be will be out, and, and we're we're just on the final little bits and pieces of things. And uh, you know, I can tell you, I mean, I haven't really talked about it publicly, but the uh, the new piece is um, is really spectacular. The, the entire bezel is completely made out of metal, so it's machined. There's no plastic on that at all. It's made just like the real ones. Uh, it's powder coated, so it's extremely resilient. We've got brand new keys with the dimples in them, just like the real ones. Um, we've got a, a case that fits on the back so that it could sit on the desk if a person wants to use it that way, or it's got Zeus fasteners so it bolts right into the real aircraft or into our setups or anybody's setups. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I think probably the biggest thing about this is that, that it's, uh, it's a VGA screen on this unit, so it's, it's just brilliant for you know for clarity and and, uh, and contrast as well as for being able to view it on side angles and things like we have to do all the time, and uh, and I kept the price at the same point so we're not selling any of the older ones anymore. We've got a few kicking around for people that need one or two, but um, the new piece is designed to to really you know kind of be a little bit of a leap of faith on my end and our end to to put out a very very high fidelity CDU that uh, can plug into you know any of the different software types or commercial use and. And, uh, you know, work for years and just be a very solid piece. So I'm really excited about that one. That's a great one. The, uh, 737 MCP EFIS. I mean, we've, we've been working with those pieces for a while and you're starting to see little signs of them on the webpage. I have a concern sometimes about posting some of the, the products because the problem is before I even get to posting them, usually a lot of our customers that we're talking to have ordered them and it, it could take a long time to, to, you know, to take an order and actually deliver one. So I like to be really careful about that. I don't want to uh, be oversold and then go and sell more than I can possibly make. Uh, it's always been a concern. A lot of people, you know, in the past would, would, would say, well, a flight that like, it takes forever to get parts and they, the, the insinuation may be being that we're slow and the, the funny part is we're not slow. We're actually pretty fast if you look at what we develop here, but there's a limit to how much you can produce in a day. So yeah, you have to be careful about, uh, you know, how you, uh, how you do and what you promise people. And we're pretty careful about that. We're, you know, we're still one of the only full-time people out here that, that does this. And uh, even full-time with guys dedicated to doing it, it, it's a real challenge to, to meet the demand sometimes for any of the products, really. You know, it, it takes a lot of effort to make that happen. Peter, you've developed a number of products and you're developing more, but what has been the most challenging product that you've ever uh, turned out of your production line? That's a good question. You know, I've, hmm, 
I think they're, I think every single one of them is challenging in its own way. You know, it sounds funny to say that, but it's kind of true. You know, every, every product, whether it's, you know, rudder pedals that we build or, you know, complete platforms with yokes. I mean, they're all, they all have such unique challenges. Um, you know, trying to do things in a way that, that you bring the most realism in the part and yet not killing it on price is, is probably the biggest challenge. So, you know, looking at, at the new, um, MCPs and EFASs and how we've, you know, gone about building those. We've, we've been using some pretty unique production processes to make, make, uh, make things a, a lot more realistic on that end of things. Um, you know, trying to, trying to make sure that the stuff is supportable in the field is a challenge. You know, I think that's really big too. Or, you know, when you build a throttle setup or something, you know, things need to be adjusted over time and being able to, you know, to make a product that you can confidently put in the field and know that it can be adjusted and tweaked down the road or, uh, you know, user serviceable, that kind of stuff. Those are, to me, the bigger challenges. And it may sound funny, but that's the, that is the truth for us. It, it, you know, anything I throw at Sean doesn't really scare him. Uh, he tends to start thinking more about, you know, how do we produce it and how do we service it and where is it going to be the weakest part? You know, how do we... How do we get around that? Or these are really expensive pieces. Can we do something on our own to make it better? Those are the kinds of issues that I think we tend to run into. I don't know that there's a single product that's so complicated that we can't do it. Um, maybe when I get the visual systems, I'll answer that question a little differently, you know? <laughs> uh, Peter, uh, there are, of course, many people who are entering the home cockpit uh, and, and they want to join the patent wagon. Most of them start with a small computer and add joysticks and maybe multiple screen. Uh, that's how you must be aware the hobby starts for most of them. Uh, do you have any advice with most of these smaller cockpit builders who tend to have limited budget and probably want to build a, their own full-scale cockpit uh, over a period of time, maybe uh, five years, six years or so? And and, and how do you think Flight Deck Solutions um, fits into this whole scheme of things and um, how do you think you can help these customers? Sure. You know, I, I have a really good friend in all of this. His name is Ron Weens, and Ron actually went with me to the Bahrain F1, and it was kind of a, a neat experience to go with him because he, he actually is my official first customer. And I met him, you know, by making parts, and he came to my house to pick them up, and, and we still I still have pictures of all this kind of stuff from way back when. And Ron has been uh, has been with with us in in spirit and with us in projects in, in you know for the whole pretty much nine years of the ten, and um, you know the the best thing I ever heard from him and he's got a lot of great words of wisdom for people that do this but you know the biggest theme that he always kept pushing uh, out in front of me and in front of anybody that that would listen was no matter what you're building doesn't matter if it's on your desk or you know it starts to get into a shape of anything is always keep it flyable. Um, Always keep it flyable because sometimes, uh, you know, the, the, the original passion that got you into building a flight deck uh, can start to wane. It can disappear a little bit because it, it becomes overrun with the building process and the thinking about building. And you might mix that passion in with the other part. And when building can get frustrating or when budget isn't going to allow you to do any building, uh, you know, it's nice to have that ability to go back to the original passion, which was, you know, flying an airliner or, or you know, whatever airplane you're building. So I, I think his advice of always keep it flyable is probably the best the best thought that you can have in your head, that no matter what you build, 
you know, make sure that you're still able to fly and that, and that when you build it, if your example, you know, my, my recommendation to every customer is to start with the, the uh, instrument panel, the, you know, the main instrument panel, as we call it, and, um, and be able to, you know, slowly start to integrate, you know, yourself into something that is a little more three-dimensional so that you, you, you may have that same LCD as your visual system, but you now have another screen down below that's your PFD and your ND, and you might add a CDU, and you might still be clicking on the screen for the MCP, but you, you're, you know, starting to look down at your PFD and your ND, you're looking out the window, you're starting to do that more immersive thing. And I think starting with the, the MIP is probably the best place you could start. And from there, you can start to build up. You can go into the CDU bay. You can build to the glare shield area. Uh, you know, and you can do a lot of this stuff on your own. I mean, you can build your own glare glare shield, for example, and just buy, say, glare wings from us or in gravity or whoever's, you know, supplying those kinds of things that, that suit your needs. Uh, or you, you know, you just uh, you know order from us as, as you as you find yourself ready and do it in kit form and and uh, talk to us about wiring and interfacing and and doing it uh, you know effective I guess affordably that way by eliminating the labor end from our side, which is obviously something that can be very expensive. Uh, so I think that's a great way to do it. Some people say, hey, should I buy the shell and the liners and start from there? And I, I always joke that you can't fly a shell. I mean, so I, you know it would look great, be really cool to sit in, but. I don't know that it would uh, help you connect the passion that you have uh, to go down this road. You know, there's there's probably better things you can do. Some people might buy an MCP, for example, and use it on the desktop scenario, and then you know start to integrate off into uh, an instrument panel later on. You know, I mean, something that I've noticed uh, on your website is, um, uh, I mean, if you were taking the MIP as an example, you offer facilities of buying that as kit individually, collectively. And also an option that you could do the electronics. So that's something pretty cool. Uh, so, you know, a person can pick that up based on their budget, based on their capabilities and, uh, you know, uh, with the electronics. But something that I've had conversations with you in the past and uh, me particularly, if not an expert in electronics uh, or maybe a dumb as far as electronics is concerned. But I have seen that you've, um, and you've more or less advised your customers to go ahead uh, you know, try out the electronics bit. And is that something that you still believe um, is, is not a rocket science? Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, you know, I'm not an expert on wiring. And I mean, I know how to do it. I, I find it really boring, to be honest. But, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it doesn't do anything for me. And I don't, I don't uh, pretend to be an expert at it, nor the programming side. So everything that we've kind of done here is kind of catering to me uh, in terms of my, my feeling about that. And I think, uh, I think that, you know, we've got some great, great customers out there. I can, you know, I think of people that that have, you know, have accepted the challenge and gone forward. And I think of a, you know, a guy like Paul Moore, who's a, a customer that pops in and visits us every every chance he gets when he's visiting a, a relative up near us. And here's a guy that's, uh, you know, retired and and uh, his passion is is uh, is uh, airplanes and and flight. And uh, he's he's bought a lot of product from us and and uh, learned a lot of new skills. You know, to go and to go and do this, and I think what happens for a guy like Paul, and for a lot of our customers, is that that passion can really fuel you. You know, if you want to do something, or if you're passionate about something, and you want to do it, you, you'll find that you can do it. It's like you know, your wife says, "Go put the garbage up when you're watching a show." That's not something that gets you highly motivated, but you know. You could think of a dozen things that might make you run out to the front yard, like if the neighbor's wearing a bikini, off you go. So, you know, your your passion kind of can rule you in a lot. I'm being horrible. I mean, your passion can rule you in a lot of different ways. So, uh, you know, I think that a guy that maybe thinks that he doesn't know a lot about computers, 
has maybe never had that that passion to kind of motivate them to to get beyond that first block of hey this isn't so hard or, or oh I can do that. And I think I know I don't want to keep going on about the system cards, but they really were designed for that kind of a person. And someone that does know a lot about uh, the programming part can take those cards, get the simple stuff out of the way, and really enjoy the meat and potatoes of the software that let you go in and do almost anything you want with them. So that I think I think that's a big element, you know, is this nobody gets into this because they're sort of interested in flight decks. You you know that anybody you talk to about this is so passionate. And I think that that passion is the fuel that makes it happen. You'll learn. You'll learn how to wire something, and you'll learn how to, you know, load a driver and, and how to uh, network some computers. You'll learn that stuff because you want to. I Absolutely. think I believe that. Absolutely, I kind of agree with you now, Peter. Of course, uh, there has been some announcement on on your website and forums on your partnership with Simmate Bionics. Uh, do you want to talk about that? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. We've. Uh, I, I, it's funny. I've, a lot of people are not maybe as familiar with Simavionics for as long as I have been, but I met I met Mark and Gary uh, when I did a I did an event in Amsterdam, like a cockpit builders forum sort of thing uh, that I, I supported uh, through Flight Tech Solutions. I literally went and rented a hotel uh, hall and and uh, you know flew myself and my brother Ron was there over. We had Enrico uh, as a guest speaker and. Uh, you know, we had an event with, I think, 105 people, you know, that were there to, to check this out. And it was a really neat thing because here we were, a small company, very little tiny office, and, and uh, we, we organized this event. And when I was there, the youngest guy in the room was Gary, and uh, he was sitting with Mark. And I, I didn't know these. I'd never met these guys before, but they were really, really young guys. And, and coming out of the U.K., Gary's a lot younger than Mark, so he was probably maybe 17 or 18 at the time. And uh, they talked a lot about this this uh, 777 that they wanted to build, and they were looking at the parts, and they didn't necessarily have the budget to, to buy a lot of parts and pieces. So a lot of what they were doing was uh, was kind of on their own. And um, I kept in touch with them over the years, and uh, they told me they were working on the software. And I, I thought, oh, well, that's nice. Way to go, guys. You know, keep going, keep going, and trying to encourage and all that sort of thing. And uh, it didn't take long that um, – you know, after a few years, they were pretty serious about it, and uh, and not just you know not just the PFD and the ND stuff, and then you know disappear like a lot of you know people that jump in you know when they realize how difficult this is. These guys were very deep into this. Like for those of you familiar with the triple seven or not, the the triple seven has a very uh, you know built-in checklist system that's part of the air, aircraft the way that it works, and that's on the lower ICAST where the pilots actually go through a, a checklist and click things off and all this sort of thing, and they've mirrored all this stuff. They've modeled all of that. They've they've created a server-driven application where, you know, the main screen pops up, and you do all your tweaking and adjusting of things, you know, primarily through that screen, and they've got, you know, the ability to tune autopilots and push back things and just so many really, really, you know, innovative approaches to uh, to software. And, and uh, I, to me, I, I convinced Mark and uh, over a period of time that, this is a great, great product, and, and uh, you know, he really needs to get himself going full-time on this because, you know, if he could put a full-time effort into this, there's really no stopping him on what he could be doing. And it's tough for someone to, uh, you know, go from a steady paycheck week to week and then, uh, you know, to be able to just, you know, jump out of the airplane, so to speak, and pull the chute and hope that, that everything works. I, I had to do it myself, and it took the support of my wife and, you know, and people around me and, Again, finding all these right people. So, you know, part of, part of that was, uh, you know, 
part of the process, I guess, really is getting, you know, Mark to realize that there is a business out here for him if he wants to join into it. And, um, you know, we've connected him up with, with people like Boeing, for example, who, uh, are using the product on the EPX 737 that we built for them. And, uh, and he did a fantastic job. The, the, the nice thing on our side was the, uh, the hardware part was beautiful. So it was very easy to work between Brent and Mark in terms of the hardware. So that having that really close relationship, uh, just did wonders for the hardware. It made it very simple for us to develop uh, the product and, and be able to talk directly. And we still talk with Enrico about product. He works closely with Brent, and he's been excellent too. No question about that. I think a lot of people, you know, maybe misunderstand the whole point here. But you know, we didn't we didn't jump in with Cinevionics to go against another team. I mean, having a choice out here is a great thing. And Enrico would be the first to tell you that. He's always, you know, wanted to have other people out here trying to deliver as well, too, because he, he didn't always like being the only guy doing it and all the pressure being on him. So I think he's, you know, he's doing his thing. He's doing obviously a lot of pro stuff as well and, and enthusiast business as well. We, uh, we clearly, you know, we had to change things a little bit in terms of the pricing. I know Mark had some very aggressive introductory pricing on the product that was available for 18 months, and, you know, people people should have grabbed it if they wanted it. And I know that they weren't too excited when we, you know, put the product where we felt it really needed to be priced in order to get Mark, you know, the, the type of, uh, you know, steady income that would uh, support him. And I think that, you know, for a lot of people, they – um, you know, they, they don't realize the, the amount of work that goes into this. I know what it takes to design hardware, and once it's done, it's done. Uh, you know, there's not much to do with it, and with software, that's not the case. I mean, if you go to Boeing and, and take a look at the 747-400 or the 777, these planes have been out for years, and they're still updating the software all the time, so it's a never-ending process for, for the, the real thing, and the same for guys like Mark. And, uh, you know, for me, my big, big dream for him is to see him go into this full-time and to go and develop other aircraft types and to, to dig very deep into this and, and to be able to make a living at it and to uh, then go back out and take a look at how do we do packages that, you know, that can facilitate someone that just wants to get started and wants something basic and being able to uh, to branch the product out that way. That would be, to me, the ultimate way to go, and that's what uh, what we're trying to do. So we're working with them closely on, you know, a lot of pro projects right now, which I think will encourage them even more to push forward, and customers that we've spoken to that understand the the ins and outs and all the involvement of uh, of creating this type of thing, uh, you know, they they're supporting it as well too. We've seen that already, and you know, for folks that feel that you know that they it's okay to spend you know two thousand dollars on an MCP and and not spend you know decent money on the software, I, I don't really follow that logic to be honest. I, I think that's not really well thought out. I think that the lifeblood of any of these simulators is the software. If you pull Project Magenta or Simavionics out of the equation, you have a very expensive museum piece. If you really think about it, it's <laughs> it's not doing anything. so. I think I think people need to support the software guys. I know I am. I, I've done it. I've bought every package that's ever shown up uh, from everybody, and I think the I think the enthusiasts need to also find their home there too. If you know if Simavionics pricing went up to a point where it's not really attainable, I mean I, I don't think that's true. I think I think it's in terms of how you value it. And if you know the single seat version, if it's nine ninety nine, which we've got it priced at, and and offers you know a fantastic package that's going to grow, that's going to be well supported, I think you're buying some security in, in in purchasing that product. The same way you are with Magenta, there's a there's a track record that's there, and I think that's really important to to think about as you push forward. You know, there's going to be other software out there that's cheaper. There'll, there'll always be someone with low end or you know entry level software that guys can buy. So I, I don't think that. Uh, that there's anything negative about about uh, us jumping in and working so closely with them. I think what you will find is that just as we develop products for you know 
big the big airframers and R&D people and things that uh, we come back around and take care of our enthusiast customers at the same time. So don't don't count us out on that. We're our hearts in the right place and we know what we what we see uh, it may be a lot different than what most people see, but where we're going is a great place. And I think Mark and Gary at you know at Simavionics deserve a lot of support. And I think that you know if we want to push this thing further and further up the hill, we're going to have to you know get behind things like software, make sure that those guys have the resources to go and do it. Well, I think you put things in the right perspective, and uh, I, I wish you uh, all the best uh, to you and the Simavionic guys, and hope um, you guys are able to do a wonderful job and develop this uh, further. Well, uh, we've talked a lot about FlyTech Solutions, and we've talked about your capabilities, we've talked about your products. Uh, let's get up personal a little. So, um, do you actually fly, or, um, or do you, all your time goes in just building cockpits for others, or do you have a cockpit of your own now for yourself? Yeah, I, to be honest, I feel like the Ferrari mechanic that drives around in an old, uh, you know, beat-up Volvo. I, I, I don't currently fly anything at my house other than, you know, I've got a triple head to go and three LCDs that I bought from Ron Weems. And, you know, every single add-on package you, that ever comes out, I buy it <laughs> just to try it out. And I think I've flown every one of them once or twice. And I think the latest one was uh, I tried out the PMDG uh, MD-11 and uh, the uh, the Citation from uh, Flight 1. So I, I tend to fly the stuff that's in the shop. Um you know, as soon as the stuff's ready, I'm probably going to knock everybody over to get into the to the left-hand seat and take it for a spin. I, I, I'm very lucky to work with a lot of customers that have full setups in their facilities, and I, I take every advantage to, to fly the full flights that I get to see, uh, you know, or even the fixed-base trainers. I do a lot of that. And I, I, I did commit uh, to this summer, Steve and Sean and I will – uh, build a triple seven upstairs in, in uh, one of the rooms that we use for storage right now. We're going to pull that uh, storage area apart and put a triple seven in there because I want my guys to fly a little bit more. Half of them are really, you know, interested in flight sim and doing a little bit at home, and I really want to get everybody here involved in doing that. So I, I think that will probably help me a lot. But I, I have to embarrassingly say no. I don't. I don't have a setup these days. I guess I just don't have the time, you know, to to do it. And if I was at home flying, I'd probably be sitting with. Uh, an Airbus, and I'd have the first real shelf that pulls out in the hobby end of it, so my laptop could be there, so I could keep up with all the emails and communications and other stuff that I need to do. You know, sounds fun. <laughs> Steve's sort of the same way, right? He's he's got a pretty good rig at home, but he doesn't doesn't have all the bits and pieces. He's got you know hardware, but not uh, not a full cockpit. You know, so he's pretty eager to to, to get on uh, on the triple seven program upstairs. He uh, he flies with my dad and friends on multi you know multiplayer. Every Thursday, you'll find you'll find him flying every Thursday with them, and and that's his way of keeping connected with all this sort of thing as well. Interesting. I I would have expected to hear from you that you have a full fledged maybe Airbus sim and with a, with an amazing spherical screen or maybe columnate display. <laughs> well, it's interesting to note this anyway. I I do have one, but I just shipped it, right? You know, uh, so okay. Okay. No, that was just a few weeks ago. Now it's a triple seven. We're building a triple seven actually, and. Uh, and that's the plan. Actually, we're, right now we're building a couple of, of triple seven simulators. So, for me right now, that's my favorite because I think it's such a such an amazing looking airplane to start with. But it's it's really big. It's a huge flight deck, and it takes up the the bulk of our, our you know our main part of our production on the floor. But um, we'll finish one up. It's going to be going to Australia uh, third week of April, and then we start building another one. And that one will be going into the U.S. It's uh, actually the second one that's being purchased by the same customer, from the, the same as the first one that you see on our page. 
And um, we're taking a look at that. We might might do a bit of a might have a little kind of quiet open house, uh, you know, to to people to to come by and take a peek at some of the stuff that we do. So we'll be talking to customers about. Uh, maybe dropping by one of the weekends and, uh, you know, making some, some space available. We've got quite a few regular customers and people that we want to bring out, but it's looking like we'll, we'll have a few, uh, you know, people come by and, and maybe some presentations and that kind of stuff. So we're, we're playing with that idea of maybe doing something on the open house side of things in, in the early part of June. So we'll see how that goes, but that might be an opportunity for, you know, a few people to pop in and see, uh, to see what we do up here firsthand and to, you know, to grab a throttle or, you know, touch a yoke and see, see how it's built and that kind of thing, you know. I think it's been an interesting interview. Uh, I've got to know a lot of things about Flight Tech Solution and uh, more about your products. I'm sure our members would uh, benefit from this. Uh, thank you so much for your time and really appreciate um, you spending this time with us. You know, you guys, are, you guys are a big part of, you know, pushing all this forward. And, um, you know, I think... You know, a lot of folks, maybe I'm sure people realize, but if they haven't, you know, that you guys aren't uh, on salary doing this. And it's, you know, it's even taking away from your hobby time, building a flight deck to be, uh, you know, to be running the forums and creating new things and uploading items and, you know, spending spending time talking to people like me and uh, helping promote what we do as well. So, you know, thank you to everybody at my cockpit. And I hope I hope that, uh, you know, you guys have continued success. And, you know, and I, and I hope that, uh, that it, it, it kind of, maintains its enthusiast, you know, part of, of what it is, because that's, I think, one of the best parts about it is that it's, uh, you know, it's, it's enthusiasts that are all gathering together and talking about it. And, you know, for me, I try not to get too too deeply involved. I don't want to add a commercial element to it to, to too much. I think I think that can detract a bit. So, you know, I hope the commercial guys can support you, uh, you guys at my cockpit without having to be uh, – in, in everybody's face, so to, so to speak, you know. So, but you know, congratulations to you guys for for the the growth. It's been uh, meteoric, of course, and and uh, and I appreciate your your time and interest in talking to us as well. Thank you. Thank you, Peter, and uh, have a great uh, day ahead, and all the best uh, for uh, Flytech Solutions and uh, to your entire team. Thank you. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye, Bell. That was a very interesting interview with Peter Cross, president of Flytech Solutions. You can visit Flight Deck Solutions at www.flightdecksolutions.com. That concludes today's feature interview conducted by our very own Viva. Stay tuned for another exciting interview in the near future with one of My Cockpit's talented contributors. Thanks to all of you, My Cockpit is the largest home cockpit builders community in the world. You can access us at www.mycockpit.org. Visit mycockpit.org to access valuable information regarding cockpit building. Each month there are new articles and interviews with fellow builders and vendors. Visit our forum and participate in lively how-to topics. It doesn't matter whether you have a single panel or a full-scale cockpit. You'll benefit from much information and by participating at my cockpit.